Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. We're today to be joined by the CEO of LifeSource, Susan Gunderson. And LifeSource is, is one of the organ transplant procurement agencies in the country. They're one of 57 not-for-profits or not-for-profit that does organ transplant procurement in such a critical area, in such a fascinating area through both the COVID period of time and more so. Susan, can you take a moment and, and tell us a bit about yourself and a little bit about LifeSource? Sure. Thank you, Scott, for the opportunity to be here. It's a real pleasure to be sharing with your, your audience. So I am the founder and the CEO of LifeSource. And as you mentioned, we are the nonprofit organ procurement organization dedicated to saving lives through organ, eye, and tissue donation in the upper Midwest, specifically in Minnesota and North and South Dakota. Uh, we are one of 57 such organizations in the U.S., and we are truly the first responders of organ donation, uh, responsible for recovering organs from deceased donors for transplantation. We have uh, founded LifeSource in 1989, so it has been some 30-plus years, and that was at a time before there were many formal structures in place to facilitate organ donation in the U.S. I knew we needed a way to increase the rate of successful transplantations, and the way to do that is by increasing donation, and that's where the mission of LifeSource was born. In addition to serving as the CEO of LifeSource, I am the former president of the International Society for Organ Donation and Procurement. And in that international forum, I've advocated for uniform standards across the world, uh, such as those practiced in the U.S. that maintain the highest ethical norms for collaboration in policy and innovation in donation. And I have to say that the U.S. is, in fact, the world leader in organ donation and transplantation. And we have a responsibility and opportunity to really share best practices across the world. So I'm pleased to be part of that work as well. So magnificent. And, and Susan, how did you get started in this? What, what leads somebody to found an organ transplant procurement agency? I mean, amazing work that's done so critical. How did you get started in this? In my background is in hospital and healthcare administration, and I had served as an, in a leadership role at the Mayo Clinic back in the 80s. And it was at that time, the whole country was forming a, a network to serve these needs for donation. And it was through those connections that my, my colleagues at Mayo Clinic, that some of the transplant surgeons who had come together in this region said, you know, we really need to create an organization to service this need as there is increasing success in transplant. We need an organization focused on donation. So it was one of those opportunities that I saw a need. I was asked to, to step into this role and uh, saw that it is an opportunity to make a profound difference in the lives of so many individuals um, over the course of 30 plus years. It's one of those areas of healthcare that, it, that you don't think about how donation happens unless you're intimately touched by transplantation or waiting for an organ or have someone who passes away and makes those generous gifts. So the, the, again, it's really been a privilege to be in this space, really a sacred space of healthcare where we are at the intersection of what I like to think of high-tech medicine. Certainly organ transplantation is still incredibly high-tech medicine. And it's the intersection of high-tech with high-touch medicine because none of these transplants are possible at all without the generosity of people. Again, generosity of those who at a time of loss choose to look beyond their own personal pain and grief and help someone else out. So that to me is the most compelling reason or one of the most compelling reasons that this area is such a special place in the larger healthcare arena. Thank you. And talk to us for a moment about 
the supply versus demand situation with organs. What does that look like today, supply versus demand? Right. Well, there is a shortage of organs for transplantation, and that it's a profound shortage, and we need to encourage more individuals to consider their opportunities to say yes to donation. Um, the list for people waiting right now in the country is over 100,000 people who are transplant candidates who have been evaluated and are waiting for that call. Um, while we know there are more donors, uh, the, the increase in the number of donations has not kept pace with the increase in the number of transplants. And, and sadly, several people die every day in this country simply because an organ is not available. While there's profound increases in, in the rates of contribution to donation, we also know that that list of those who are waiting is going to continue to grow as well. So we're making headway. Uh, and in this country, we've had some great gains in the number in increases in donation. Across the US, 2021 actually marked the 11th consecutive year of record-breaking gains in organ donation. And while we're pleased with that, we know we need to do more. One thing that might surprise you is very few individuals actually have the opportunity to become organ donors. Fewer than 2% of patients who die in an inpatient setting in a hospital die under conditions that make them eligible for organ donation. So it's a very rather rare and highly complex event and every single opportunity is, is so valuable to those patients who are waiting for a life-saving transplant. So the need is there, uh, the need continues to grow, and we really want to encourage uh, individuals to continue to say yes to donation. Thank you. So still an imbalance between demand, the need for, versus the supply. What, what organs, and I think this is just curiosity for you, what organs are the ones that are sort of most often transplanted and where's the deepest need? What organs is there the most need for and what is most often transplanted? Right. Well, every patient who needs an organ, of course, is in dire need of a life-saving transplant. They have end-stage organ failure. The three organ types most commonly transplanted are kidneys, livers, and hearts. And kidneys, by far the largest volume, with about 25,000 kidney transplants in the U.S. this past year, followed by liver transplants serving about 9,000 patients and heart transplants with 3,000. When you say what's the most acute need, I would say that every single one of these situations, the only surviving benefit or the only surviving opportunity is for an organ transplant. So with the exception of kidney, where patients wait, await a kidney transplant on dialysis. So in a way, they have a backup system uh, to, to wait for that organ to become available. Unfortunately, if you have end-stage liver failure or lung failure or heart failure, in most cases, the only solution is waiting for that donated organ. Thank you. And, and how has COVID impacted organ transplants organ donations. What have you seen during this period of, of COVID? Has it made it more complex or what, what have you seen through COVID-19? Yeah, absolutely. As, as we well know, every aspect of our, our community and our healthcare system was profoundly touched by uh, COVID, particularly in the early onset in 2020. Um, like most everything else, in early 2020, we saw a, a vast reduction in the ability to facilitate donation. And many transplant programs put a hold on their activities, just in trying to sort through some of the challenges. But things in 2020 actually fairly quickly picked up. And by the end of the year in 2020, we once again saw uh, the back to the normal pattern of improvements year over year. 
To talk just a bit about the challenges, not surprisingly, front and center were concerns for patient safety when the virus was still relatively unknown, what, what the impact would be on patients awaiting transplant, uncertainty about those who were donors, of course, being concerned about not wanting to transmit COVID from a donor to a waiting immunocompromised transplant recipient. We were also concerned and faced with the challenges of overburdened hospital staff and then the resources available. And maybe in a couple of unique areas, in terms of organ transplant, often teams of recovery surgeons travel from one state to another to recover an organ and bring it back to their patient at their center. In the early days, again, with the unknowns about uh, disease transmission, there were restrictions on who could go to what state, what hospitals would allow in teams from other states, and that was really a threat to the organ transportation system as well. As things gradually became a bit more available, we, the, the process of organ donation has moved back to more of its normal state, whereas typically we would be embedded in the hospitals and having opportunities to meet with families face-to-face -face to start the donation process. That was put on hold during COVID. So in order to do our jobs, we, rather than being at the bedside, holding the hand of the loved one, uh, so many of our confirmations, uh, conversations and, and workarounds where we had conversations with families over the phone, on Zoom, sometimes in a parking lot of a hospital so that we could support and care for families. And I have to also acknowledge the healthcare teams that were so stretched during this time. Uh, their ability to, to understand and appreciate the life-saving gift that is possible we saw some real resiliency and some real gems of, of uh, hope that came through at that time. Sorry, I was going to ask you another question about sort of you had this amazing, remarkable career as a founder of this organ procurement agency, um, a leader, and, and advice that you would give to leaders. But let me let you finish your last answer, and then we'll talk about leadership and what advice you'd give to other leaders. Sure. So, so in terms of things somewhat returning to a more normal state, we are continuing to see donation increase. We're seeing partnerships with the hospital teams. And as the science is evolving, we're also seeing now that there are opportunities for some patients who, some, who are COVID positive who have the ability to go on to become organ donors and have seen successful transplants of kidneys and livers and hearts from those individuals. So we're, as we're understanding the science better, we're seeing such resiliency in the system and, and trying to serve those patients who are so much in need. Thank you, Susan. And Susan, you've been this remarkable founder of such an important part of our healthcare ecosystem, the organ transplant part of it, so important. Talk for a moment about what advice would you give to other leaders, other founders? This must be both a incredible effort, a labor of love, passion, but a lot of work too. What advice do you give to other leaders? You know, it is a special space in healthcare to be part of this. And, and I really value the, the, the synergy between the compassion side of healthcare that we can't lose sight of and all that we do, combined with the rigors and the data analytics of improvement. We have a continual focus in this field on process improvement, on innovation. And, and I would, my advice would be to continue to lean in on that. We have an obligation to be good stewards of donation and good stewards of where uh, this field will go in helping to serve more patients. When I think about in general, my, my pathway and trajectory and, and trying to think at what would be helpful information to newer emerging leaders, I, I, my advice often centers on the concept of serendipity 
and thinking about being open to and responding to events and opportunities that come your way, regardless of whether they're in your work plan or in your trajectory of your career going forward. My career has seen that. I never, when I was a young administrator, saw my life work would be in the field of organ donation. It really didn't exist at that time. But be, be open to walking into and embracing and understanding new opportunities as they present themselves. So I think that's magnificent advice. You're sort of blocking and tapping your career, but you have to keep this open mind as to where opportunities are, connect dots, and so forth. It's really a fascinating perspective. Susan, it's amazing what you've accomplished and what LifeSource does. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Becker Healthcare Podcast. What a pleasure, and thank you very much. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity.